All right, welcome to Hashtag Raptors. I'm Jordan Kligman. I'm here with Craig Oliver. Hey, Craig, how you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Yourself? Today is like the blackest of Fridays. Uh, <laughs> I actually lost power for like two and a half hours today. So that was a little scary, but uh, I did my purchasing yesterday, so I'm okay. Yeah, we're both uh, we're both north of the border, as opposed to most people on the site. So, you know, it's a little different weekend for us, but you know, still enjoying it. Yeah, well, thankfully, uh, we've already had our Thanksgiving in Canada. Yeah, let's talk Raptors. Yes. Um, so far, I feel like the Raptors have had a pretty good season. There's a couple games that stand out to me. The, the first one that really stood out to me was on uh, October 21st against Philly, where the Raptors just totally blew out the Sixers. There was no Embiid. What, were you impressed by that game? Absolutely, especially after a bit of a shaky performance against Chicago in Game 1. It was nice to have a bounce-back game. And at that time, that made Philly 0-3, right? So... Philly didn't look like they were the team that they are right now, right? They're looking pretty scary right now. And obviously, no Embiid hurts, but, you know, they still had Simmons playing 33 minutes, and he had 18, 10, and 8, right? You know, and just the bench was great. And that was, I think, the DeRozan – was that the DeRozan, like, flu game? Was that the – I think he was a little under the weather. Yeah, 33 and 3. Like, it was – it was pretty, I was very impressed with that one. It was a good bounce-back game. Even though we beat Chicago in game one, it wasn't like a resounding win, whereas this was like the – Okay, these get this is this is what this team looks like. Yeah, so it's nice to know that you feel the same way about the the first Bulls game because that was not a convincing win to me. The Raptors no. kind of let it sl- slip away from a little bit. I think it was like in the third quarter, mm-hmm. then then closed it out. But like I was expecting a massive blowout. I'm like, oh, the Bulls are the worst team in the league. Yeah. <laughs> Should be ma- massive blowout. But the Raptors just sheer dominance over this over the, the Sixers. Uh, in the second game, we we got we got to see kind of the depth early in the season for the Raptors, yeah. which has continued until now. Absolutely, you know, like the bench almost the bench won that Chicago game in game one. Like the starters couldn't couldn't get a lead, and then that second unit came in and just dominated. Yeah, and I we, we've kind of seen that uh, in multiple games, which is surprising because I think uh, this summer. A lot of people expected the Raptors bench to be worse, you know, losing PJ Tucker, Patrick Patterson, Corey Joseph. But yeah, uh, the additions have made the bench somehow stronger. Yeah, no, honestly, like and CJ Miles, that first game against Chicago was great. And then he went cold for about like a week or two. And then even now, like he's starting to heat up again. And he, how awesome is he off the bench when he's hot? Yeah, like I think. Early in the season, his shot selection wasn't great because he was like jacking really deep threes. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's not his thing. Like these high degree of difficulty shots. He's great from the corner and just like right, right near the three point line. Like not like the crazy four or five pointers, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But so he he's taking, you know, better shots now. Like I, I give him the green light to shoot whenever he wants to shoot. Absolutely. And then... OG and Anobi, the the rookie who was supposed to be injured, and we didn't really know how much we would get from this season. He's been terrific. He's been he's been amazing. Like the way he he reads the game at such a higher level than I think anyone expected him to. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. 
Yeah, I, I kind of was hoping, you know, post-All-Star break, he'd come in, we'd see some great defense from him. But offensively, I've been shocked how great he's been. Like, the yeah. his passing ability and his jumper. The form looks good. The mechanics look good. Oh, yeah. I really didn't expect to see a three-point shot from him, but he's been good. No, he's been so solid. Like, And like you said, that jump shot, as well as his ability to read the floor... That's just something we weren't expecting. I think we were just expecting like a raw athletic defender, right? He's showing us a lot more than I think all Raptors fans were expecting. Yeah, as a rookie, I was like, uh, just to replace what P.J. Tucker was doing defensively and I'll be happy. But I think he's been better than P.J. Tucker this year, which which is surprising because P.J. Tucker was incredible for the Raptors mm-hmm. uh, last year. He gave them so much fight defensively and toughness which they were lacking at the time. Mm-hmm. And like, they just threw him right into the fire too. Like his first start against Houston <laughs> matched out. He's guarding James Harden, right? Then the next night they have that back to back against uh, New Orleans. They start him again with Powell out and he's guarding Anthony Davis. Like from on switches, right? Like that's just like, that's insane for a rookie, you know, like that's, yeah, and the Raptors continue to put out, and like even the announcing team, oh, you know, he's still not 100%. And I'm just like yeah. watching him. I'm like, where's the injury? Where's, where? yeah. like, he looks like he's <laughs> If he's 100%. at like 80%, then like, I, like I'm, I'm excited for him to get to 100%. Like, that's going to be ridiculous. I mean, like, yeah, if he's not, if he's not 100% now, like, uh, he, he should be in the, the rookie of the year race when he is Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And then another game that I was really impressed by was the Warriors game on the 20, October 25th. Mm. Raptors didn't win that game, but they hung in that game. Oh, man. Um, and I believe that the Raptors were leading with like two minutes to go. Yeah, they were they were up. I think they were up by five. And then uh, Curry hit some ridiculous layup. And I think, I don't know if it's, no, they were down. They were up by four. Curry hit some ridiculous layup to make it a two-point game. Raptors have a shot rim out, and then Durant pulls up absolutely contested four feet behind the line and dr- and drains it. And now we're down by one. And it's like, what? like, what are they supposed to do? Like, you know, they were there all game and then just a couple ridiculous shots by some future Hall of Famers. And, you know, you end up losing that, you end up losing a close one on the road, right? Yeah, like people, I remember after that game at the time on social media, people were like drilling at Casey, like, oh, Casey screwed this up, he screwed that up. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you want him to he, do? <laughs> he kept the Raptors in the game. He played the game right. You know, pull like pull up threes from Steph Curry and Kevin Durant with like a full shot clock. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? You want them to take take those contested shots. Like, It's just, when they go in, you just hang your head. You're like, what? like what else are you supposed to do? You know? Yeah, like there, there's a reason why everyone thinks the Warriors are going to win a title again is because they're just one of the greatest teams in NBA history. Yeah, you know, and like they can just throw out these lineups that seem like impossible to defend. Like I don't think, like let's just say, theoretically, Raptors make the finals against Golden State. I don't see a lot of situations where. Valanchunas is going to get a lot of play down the stretch because when they, if they're going to run Draymond at the five, like in clutch time, they're going to be running Draymond at the five, right? And that's where Serge Ibaka is going to have to move from that four to the five, in my opinion. I think there's there's matchups where Ibaka at the five makes a lot of sense, but then there's I think there's matchups 
where it might not make as much sense mm-hmm. uh, because his re- his rebounding isn't great for for a center. But when he's playing power forward, like his rebounding's fine. You don't worry about that. But I, I think it really depends. Like against a small ball team, um, and you, if you need a lot of speed, it's hard to play Valanciunas. But at the same yeah. time, if you're playing a buck at center, you're giving up a lot of your rebounding advantages because Valanciunas yeah. is a great rebounder. Like, yeah, you people want to say like he's not a good defender, and he is a below below average defender. But like when you're when you're giving up giving up like offensive rebounds to the other team. It's extra possessions, yeah. uh, extra shot attempts, and it hurts. So I think that that's why you know uh, sometimes Abak has been staying at power forward, and like Jakob Pertl's been playing center yeah. is because he gets offensive rebounds for the Raptors, so he gives the Raptors those second chance points, those offensive rebounds, those extra possessions. So I I, I don't I don't know. I think it's all situational, like what position Serge Ibaka is going to play. Yeah, and and in that game in particular, the last thing you want to do to Golden State is give them more possessions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like there's nothing more that you want, like you don't want to do is give them more possessions. They already shoot the lights out. Uh, yeah, you, you don't want any more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about shooting the lights out, I think. In in the Blazers game this season, mm. the Raptors were just they were just smoking them. Uh, I think the Blazers got a little bit back in the game, yeah. But the Raptors looked incredible in that game. Um, I think it was the first time this season. I was just like, wow, like okay, these rap these Raptors are are for real. Yeah, like that second quarter was twenty five for Toronto. Six for Portland. That was the twenty. That was the one field goal quarter for Portland. Like that's that is some that is some defense right there. <laughs> that if, like, and their one basket was an Evan Turner putback with like ten seconds left. They could have gone no field goals for the entire quarter. Like that's that's insane. Yeah, considering that like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are offensive players and they're not so good defensively, you feel like. Like how could they have possibly not done anything in a quarter? It, it it amazes me. Yeah, that was that was another great game, and that was still uh, that was still on the road, wasn't it? Yeah, that that was during their massive their six game road trip. Right yeah, I believe so. So they, they had like, a tough schedule to start the year. Yeah, they most definitely did, and I think at the time a lot of people weren't taking the Raptors seriously, mm-hmm. like when they lost to the Spurs, like. That game was ridiculously uh, officiated. Yeah. Um, from from my angle, at least, uh, with the, with the fouls, but like people were like, "Oh yeah, Raptors, you know, not so great." Like they're a middling Eastern yeah. Conference team, but it's like you get through that tough road trip and you don't do horribly, um, and then you you come home, you play well. Suddenly, the Raptors are one of the best teams in the East, and I'm not surprised. Yeah. Well, the big, a lot of, a lot of people kind of lost interest in the Raptors when they got blown out by like, I think 20 against Denver at Denver. And that was a bad game. That was the second. Yeah. That was, you know, that was a game that I'd like to forget. (laughs) Yeah. I think Jamal Murray shot like, was it like 70 or 80% in that game? Something. something It it was, it was ridiculous. I remember. (laughs) 
And he was struggling at the time. I was just like, whoa, where did this come from? He had 24 um, points on 80% shoot. <laughs> yeah. I was like, where did this come from? He was like having nights where he's yeah. like shooting like 30% or under. And those are jump shots too. Like that's. Yeah. And then Jokic had like 8, 16, and 10. Like it was, it was, it was a Denver game, right? And maybe it's the altitude. Maybe it was the fact that they've been on the road for like a week and a half. It's their fifth game out of their six on the road, but you know, like it, it was a tough game, but there's no excuses to lose by 20 in Denver, right? Like Raptors are too good for that to happen. I totally agree with you. Like the altitude and the road trip being factors. Cause I remember Raptors were like hanging their heads in the first quarter. I'm like, yeah. what's going on? I'm just like, this is not looking good. Like you could, you could tell right from the jump. Uh, it was not going to end well, mm-hmm. uh, but a game that did end well for the Raptors was November 14th against Houston. Yes. Against Houston, the, Ra- the Raptors Raptors win 129-113. Uh, no Chris Paul, but you know at that time, Chris Paul only played, I believe, in the opener, and the Rockets were doing pretty well without him. Rockets were rolling before that. and I mean, they still are, but like that was, that was a statement win. Yeah. That was a big like, win. I, I was just like... I think I thought coming into the, the game because the, Ra- the Raptors were off a tough loss or something. I'm just like, the Raptors are going to be competitive in this game. I don't know if we're going to win, but we're going to be competitive. Yeah. But I did not expect that. Um, and just to see the Raptors not let down, like in previous seasons, I'm accustomed to witnessing the Raptors just lose a handle on a lead and just let the game get away from them. But they didn't let this game get away from them. No, this was the bench played in the bench played amazing. And and in particular, this was a CJ miles game, like the pace, like this is the, this is the game where he's going to thrive, right? He had, I think about 20, 19 points and shot six for nine from deep, right? That's, that's phenomenal. That's like more than you can ask for. And just the speed of that game is exactly where he's going to thrive. You know, and he really helped them that game. Yeah, uh, and I think Dawn Wright was like plus seventeen in that game. Yeah. Uh, he had like fourteen points. He shot five of five. He's now injured. Yeah. But, uh, the the good news with him that I think he they said that he might avoid surgery and might be back within a month. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's actually a good sign because. Um, I was really worried that he'd be out for the season. Yeah, in all honesty, hearing that it's only going to be a month that that's good news. That's it's it's unfortunate that you know that's thirty days without your backup point guard. But you know, I was thinking, you know, this is this might actually be the best case scenario for for every, all things considered. Yeah, and when you look at like the regular season, at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter so much. Like if the past four years combined regular season, the Raptors have the best record in the East. I don't think there's any doubt the Raptors are going to make the playoffs this yeah. year. I think it's just like the questions are, what are they going to do when they get to the playoffs? So it's just like, yeah, he's going to, he's probably going to be back and he's going to help us in the playoffs where we need him. Yeah. So yeah, th- you got to think long-term with the team like this, you know, we're not, like you said, like beyond reasonable doubt playoff team. You know, I, we're not. I don't think we're going to win the division. I don't think we're going to overtake Boston, but definitely a playoff team. And if Delon's back for that, and you know he'll have, you know, three, three, four months of regular season under his belt total, um, then we're fine. 
you know, and, and I've been really impressed with Fred Van Vliet, to be honest, you know, obviously like I, you missed a lawn, but I think Fred's been fantastic as the backup position. Yeah. Like I think a lot of people this year, I saw a lot of negativity around him and I remember watching him last year. I don't think he shot particularly no. good, but he looked like a basketball player when he was on the court. Mm-hmm. Like, and then some summer league, uh, the D league, G league, whatever you want to call that. He he looks he looks good there. So like, there's like good signs around him, like that he looks like an NBA player, and now he's playing like yeah. one. So I I kind of expected this, but at at the same time, he's probably gonna revert back to his his old role when DeLon Wright yeah. comes back. But, you know, it, it's good It's good to see just how deep the Raptors bench really yeah. is. And it puts a little more of strain on Dwayne Casey and definitely Kyle Lowry because Lowry's ultimately going to eat up some of DeLon's minutes. You know, Fred's not going to completely play what DeLon used to play, right? So, But it's giving DeLon that confidence, I think. So when playoffs do come around and you know Raptors are you know they're neck and neck they're middle of the third quarter you can throw Van Vliet out there and he feels ready to go you know he doesn't feel like he's been sitting on the bench all season really not contributing he feels like he knows what to do and he can go out and do it when they ask him to yeah absolutely and I think just having him and having you know three really good good point guards is great because then less load on Kyle Lowry because the past two seasons, Lowry is playing 37 plus minutes per game. Uh, this season, I think see down to like 31 or 32. So it's just like, you don't, you don't want Kyle Lowry to be injured again, come playoff time. So whatever, whatever the Raptors got to do uh, to preserve him, I think is a plus Kyle Lowry right now around, it looks like 32 minutes. per. He game. is, this I feel like this happens every year where he like either starts off slow or kind of gets cold around like the all-star break or after the all-star break and everyone goes ah he's he's regressing you know he's not he's not the same point guard he was before and then he just kind of I don't know some kind of flip just gets switched and it's just and it's it's like what are you guys talking about like this guy is this guy this is an all-star point guard yeah I saw panic from Raptors fans to start the season when Kyle Lowry wasn't shooting well I'm like I'm like, why are you panicking? Like, he was doing everything else yeah. well. Like, he was still getting the basketball. He's playing defense well. Like, he was taking charges as normal thing. He was passing the ball well. But like, you, you, like, I knew the shot was gonna come back at some point. Like, you, you just know. Like, like, uh, I equate it to like uh, older players in baseball that sometimes takes them a month or so uh, to get get their batting average up. And Kyle, Kyle Lowry's got got his shot together now. He's taking less shots per game, but the ball's moving a lot more. Yeah, the Raptors' offense in general has just looked looked much better since, since last year, right? especially near the late game. Like, I still there's work to do, but the ball seems to just not have as much of an agenda as it did last year. It's just more free flowing, right? Like, it seems like they're more often than not they're passing up good shots for great shots. Yeah, I, I love to see that. I think that's something the Raptors have lacked over the last few years because they've been near the bottom in assists. But this season, it's it's great. It's actually great more so than just like watching it succeed. It's great to watch 
Like you, you, it's it's hard to watch sometimes, like a stale offense where the ball just gets yeah. stuck and doesn't move. But watching the ball whip around, it's entertaining. Yeah, and 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 there were too many times last game where it was like call a timeout and it's like, okay, what are they going to run? Oh, it's DeRozan at the top of the elbow, and that's it. Like that's like there's no. You should take advantage of the fact that you you're inbounding the ball, right? Get the, you know, you should get a chance to get some an open shot, not just a stagnant. ISO at the top, right? Like, I, I know DeRozan's one of the best one-on-one scores in the world, but you know, I, I like the way that the offense is flowing and it's not getting as stagnant as the game goes on. Yeah, the one thing I was a little bit concerned about early in the, earlier in the season was the volume of three-point attempts because the Raptors started the season. I think near, I think at one point they were like the worst or second wor- worst mm-hmm. three-point shooting team in the league. Uh, I don't believe that to be the case anymore, but I think at the time I was seeing guys just take bad shots or guys that take shots, take those, those threes that can't make them, uh, like Bebe <laughs> and DeLon Wright, who both are not great shooters. Uh, I think DeLon Wright started the season like one of 16 from three. And I was just like, yeah, like the ball movement is great, but if you're settling for these these bad shots, I don't know that I like it. Um, but I think if you're putting the ball in the hands of you know good three point shooters like Kyle Lowry, C.J. Miles, Serge Ibaka, I- I'm okay with a high volume of threes of guys that can mm. make them. But I just get a little concerned. Uh, if it's a guy that's not so good from three, taking them. What do you think about DeMar DeRozan taking threes? Because apart from the game where New York was in Toronto, he's been taking like six threes a game, four threes a game, four again, six again. He took seven against Utah. Like it's becoming a little more consistent of him pulling up three, four or more three-pointers a game. Uh, Well, he's shooting better this season from three. I think he's at like 32% now. I honestly, before the season, I was just like, I was like, please don't take any threes. Just shoot like 50% from two yeah. and I'll be happy. But I think he's, I think over his career, the last couple of years, he's been good from the corners. So he's good from like specific spots. So I think it comes back to shot yeah. selection. If he's shooting from an area of the floor that he can hit the shot. Sure. Take it. But if it's a if it's a like a three point attempt where you know he he's below thirty percent shooting that shot, uh, maybe yeah. pass or dribble the ball in. Well, what I've always found is that he doesn't have the kind of game like let's just say CJ McCollum, Bradley Beal, where they're trying to create their three point shot. Right, they accept a screen at the top. Let's just say it's a screen on the left. They go around. The hedge isn't hard enough. They're pulling up. Like DeRozan's not trying to find that three-point shot. But if you're lazy and let's just say you don't, let's just say you try to switch the screen and the big man's just sitting at the elbow, he's he's gonna pull. He's just if you're just gonna give him that, he's gonna shoot it. Yeah, and I think another thing is like DeRozan's six seven. He's bigger than a lot of the guards covering him. So like he can shoot mm-hmm. over guys. So I think that's possibly something he uses to his his advantage. But yeah, like, I don't know, for whatever reason, 
he likes he likes to you know dribble the ball in in isolations that's what he reverts to uh sometimes and people don't seem to like that even though he's mm-hmm. quite good at it but this this season where he's been really comfortable passing yeah. the ball out of those situations and yeah his decision making it's just gotten better every single year like he, him him as a player he's a, as a player he's gotten so much better every single year but his decision making when he draws that double team because ultimately every time he gets in the paint he attracts so much attention from the defense because he's so decisive with his with what he's going to do you always have to be kind of like the way that you know Harden or LeBron those kind of guys he's got that really good decisiveness when he gets in the paint yeah I think the reason why those isolations haven't really worked in the playoffs is just like the opposing team is like okay let's lock in on Lowry and DeRozan we know those are the guys that are going to try and beat us lock in on them put our best defenders on them um and the Raptors ran into to trouble yeah because that's all they knew but I think this season DeRozan sees how deep this team is um and he can trust his teammates. Yeah, because a lot of teams in the playoffs were essentially saying, make Damari Carroll beat us, right? Or make <laughs> insert X-Bench player beat us, right? And I don't think the Raptors were comfortable, or I don't think DeRozan or Lyra were comfortable with that strategy. Right? I don't know if the trust was there with, with their teammates to say, okay, yeah, we will beat you with them, right? And that's what deep teams, that's what really good teams are able to do. Like you can't, even if you give one player a chance to beat you, they'll beat you. Yeah, and I think uh, last season in the playoffs, uh, we saw like like uh, Patrick Patterson and Damari Carroll get open threes, and they weren't mm. making them. Like, <laughs> like, it, like DeRozan was like, yeah, like, yeah, we're going to try and trust these guys, but they weren't coming through. Um, and that was a problem. Like, I don't know that the Raptors would have been able to play this way uh, in the playoffs last year. Because the supporting cast just wasn't wasn't playing well, uh, but now you have guys like OG Ananobi, CJ Miles, they're just coming through. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's only so many times for for DeRozan if he gets doubled to kick that shot out, give your teammate a wide open look, and have a miss. There's so many times that can only happen so many times before you just say, you know, like. If we're gonna win, I just got I gotta score this myself. Like I gotta find a way, right? Because the trust just wasn't there. But I think going down the line, this team really needs to come together, and I think they are at the moment, right? Like they've had a really tough schedule to start the year. Um, they came up with two huge wins at Houston and at the Pelicans, and I'm sorry, they should have beat Boston. They should they ugh, I can't believe I can't believe they dropped that game. Yeah, I kind of was worried that was a trap game coming in. I was just like... But no, they had no Kyrie and no Horford? No, I don't think they had either of those. Yeah, definitely definitely no Kyrie. Yeah. Nah, he did. He did. Yeah. Still, though, not like... That's not a game you can you should be losing, though. You know? You're on the road. I don't care. Like, but, like, those last two possessions, I think DeRozan had two mid-range shots defended by Jalen Brown. And I think afterwards, Jalen Brown said, we got a little lucky because he's hitting those 99 times out of 100 or something like that. You know, because they're wide open mid-range. I think he had a little like up and under kind of floater that just kind of rimmed out. And, you know, and we lost by one. 
right? Like it's just stuff like that. You know, a couple, one or two shots. Yeah, the regular season's a roller coaster. You win games you're not mm. supposed to win. You lose games you're not supposed to lose. Like the Nick, the Raptors split with the Knicks. Uh, they looked incredible in the first game, and then I just don't know what happened in the second one. Like the first game, just silenced yeah. uh, Porzingis. Just that was silenced a team him. Like that was that was everyone. You know, the, even when Lowry would switch on to him, right? Like he's not giving him an inch. Yeah, like the the first meeting, Porzingis, he shot three of thirteen, uh, and was minus seventeen. Um, like when you do that to the opposing team's best player, things mm-hmm. are gonna go well then, for you. But what happened the second game at New York? You know, like you have such a you start the game off so well, and I actually watched the first half, and then I had to go, and I'm checking my phone when I'm out, and I'm like. I thought like I just kept refreshing the app because I'm like, what the like what the heck? How are they how are they down by twenty? Like what happened? They ended up cutting cutting it to eight, but still, like they just they they just lost that game. They lost the handle of that game. Well, uh Tim Hardaway Jr. happened. He had thirty eight points. He was four of nine from three, seven assists. He had a block and a steal as well, so he's playing defense. Um yeah, it it was just it was ugly. From just all angles, um, but Norman yeah. Powell's back. That's so something to feel good about. That's that's great. Yeah. Do you, do you think he's going to re-enter the starting lineup, or the Raptors are comfortable leaving OG you know and Obi? I there? think I really like Powell off the bench. I I think that's I think he is best suited as that you kind of jackknife sixth man. I think that's really where he's going to be most effective in my in my opinion because. OG's so solid, and he's such a reliable player, but he's not going to – he doesn't have that kind of explosive offensive punchiness that that Norman Powell is going to bring you, right? And I think Norman Powell, along with C.J. Miles off the bench, I think that just gives you such good offensive prowess, you know, you know? and I think they're going to decimate other bench units if they're clicking, you know? Yeah, I think it's interesting because last year uh, when Norman – Powell started in 18 games. He shot like 50% from the field and 40% from three. So I was kind of expecting him to just be incredible starting this season, but he wasn't uh, when he was. He was doing the little things. I think people thought he was worse than he was uh, because his offense wasn't there. But yeah, like I think if OG is working in the starting lineup, you just you stick with it, you ride with yeah, it. Yeah, because he can he can guard so many positions. Uh, he might even be able to guard one through four, in my opinion. Uh, you think he, he's the Raptors' best defender? Right. I think now? in terms of his ability to guard multiple positions, yes. You know, he just helps you have a completely switchable defense, which is like the best kind of defense you could have in today's NBA, where like anyone can switch on to anyone. You know, the only real Obviously, there are some offensive players out there who are a mismatch against anyone. But realistically, one through four, I think I'm comfortable having him guard any of those four. Yeah. Um, I, I've been shocked, like, just how versatile he really is. Because you see someone like Bruno Capoclo, who's supposed to be versatile and can't do anything. Yeah, he's just an athletic beast. And I think. It's just going to be a lot more fun just to see him grow and just become the player he's supposed to be. A player who's probably not 
playing how he's supposed to be. Uh, I guess Jonas Valanciunas. He kind of gets killed on switches. I think a lot of times people expect him uh, to close out on three-point shooters. But I don't really feel like he has the foot speed for that. And then also, when you have like a guard cutting to the basket, uh, like one of our other guys have already been beat, people expect him not only to cover his man, but to cover that guard cut it cutting in. So like if he comes out on the guard uh, driving to the basket, then the, the guy could kick it out to the, the big man cutting behind Valanchunas. So it's kind of like, how does he guard these two guys? Mm-hmm. That's just one thing. Like, I'm a little confused about. Yeah, his his numbers have definitely been down, and it is guarding the pick and roll is a whole team effort. It looks like it's just two on two, right? The screener, the ball handler against defender of the screener and the defender of the ball handler. But there's so much rotation that needs to happen throughout the entire defense that a pick and roll resulting in a basket is it necessarily just the fault of a person guarding the ball handler or the screener, right? That needs to be a full team effort on the rotation. So to hold Jonas accountable for every pick and roll score against him isn't exactly his fault. You, you know, like you said, his foot speed, not the greatest, you, you know, you wish it could be faster, but you know, he's, he's gotten better every year and he looks significantly leaner this year. But I think a key point is that, even though it's only 13 games in, or he's only played 13 games, he's averaging his career low in minutes so far. Yeah, that that's something interesting. I think the Raptors' depth, like Yaka Pertl and then Lucas Nogueira, they've both been, been pretty good. And then Abaka can shift to center. So it's like we have just have so many options that like, uh, and Valanciunas is struggling a little bit. It's just like, yeah, you can sit on the bench. But yeah. I think the the bigger thing is the way Casey uses him. He doesn't really fit the team like a glove. Like he's a great rebounder, um, so I think I think that's good. But I think the Raptors don't really get him the ball enough for him to be effective offensively because mm-hmm. he he's great great in the paint. But like when he's not getting the ball, like he's not really in a position to succeed. So I'm always wondering, like, you see a guy like, like Bebe, who's probably not as skilled, but he can, he can block shots. Or you see a guy like Pirtle, he's get, grabbing those offensive rebounds and have the foot speed to move all around the floor on the, on def, the defensive end. That, like, you see these other guys that are better fits, and you see Siakam also moving incredible. That maybe just Valanchunas, the way Casey... Uh, wants to play him just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Now, do you see any potential at trading Valanciunas and then just starting Pirtle, or trading Valanciunas, moving Abaka to the five, whatever, whatever you Dwayne Casey would do for that? Do you see any potential in Valanciunas being moved before the trade deadline? Yeah, I do. I think the there's two things. So I think the, the first thing is finding a team to trade him to. And I don't think it's that teams don't want him. Um, I think the big contract kind of hurts a little bit, but I think yeah. a lot of teams like have their center. So it's finding that team that need that needs that starting center that can that can build around him and use him effectively. I think that's the tough part because if the Raptors want to acquire 
like a, a big talent, they're going to need to probably shift out a big contract. Yeah. So it would probably be someone like Valanciunas. Yeah, it's an, it's something definitely interesting to think about because the depth at the big man position for Toronto, it's like it's always kind of been the reason for, you know, a lack of deep postseason success, you know, not deep enough at the four, not deep enough at the five. I feel like this year it's, you know, with the way Siakam and Pirtle have been playing and obviously Abaka, you know, with his first full season here, I no excuse for, for, for depth, you know, and going forward, if you're going to, you know, beat Boston or beat Cleveland in the playoffs or beat Washington in the playoffs, do you need to make a trade to beat them? Or do we know that yet? When will we know that? You know, it's, it's a difficult predicament to be in, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a big contract on Toronto being moved before the trade deadline. And I think that could be Valanciunas. Yeah. And I think a lot, a lot of it, has to do with how much confidence you have in a guy like Pascal Siakam. Um, because he, he's played great re- recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think he's carved out a, a big role for himself on this team moving forward? I think he's earned the respect of his teammates. and Not that he didn't have it before, but I think he's earned the respect on the court from everyone. Right, His, his motor and his hustle is absolutely infectious. When he checks in the game, you know exactly what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, the one thing I uh, worry a little bit about that, I don't know if that's sustainable over the course of an entire season. Mm-hmm. The one thing going into the season I was looking for from Pascal Siakam uh, was three-point shooting because he shot well in the D-League. He shot well yeah. in Summer League. But he hasn't really done it in the NBA. Um, he hasn't taken a lot of threes this year he's only taken 31 but he's only made seven uh so his his shot's not really there he has been incredible the way he's moved uh defensively he's been good uh getting the basket like he i I don't know how much how much longer he's going to be able to to bank on just just outworking everybody Mm -hmm. yeah it's i mean it's a long season right and the, the effort that he's putting in is phenomenal and it's amazing to see. But like you said, what happens when you get to like late January, mid February, March and your, and your body's just taking this toll, right? Like, cause he's not relying on, on, on skill and a, you know, a deft touch, right? He, he's relying on the fact that he's just going to out hustle and outwork everyone. And right now, you know, as a Raptor fan, it, it's amazing to see, but, and you, and you look at his stat lines and he's had some great games but in what's what's going to be his role off the bench, right? Do you throw him out there with Pirtle? Do you can you move Ibaka to the five and you know run him with Ibaka? Do you just swap Ibaka for Pascal, right? It's that three point shot, like you said, needs to get better for him to work in more lineups. Because if you throw out Pascal and Jonas, just the, the way Pascal's shooting the ball, you're, you're just gonna, your spacing's going to get destroyed. Yeah, uh, last season I believe when he was starting. Uh, ceremonial starter playing yeah. like those first 15 minutes um it was kind of like clogging the paint uh, like him and valanchunas and the spacing wasn't good um and then i think when the raptors tried uh bebe and Pirtle playing them together again like the spacing wasn't good last year so that, that's definitely something i worry about because i think the raptors 
want to use him at power forward because uh, they just have so many options at center. Um, so I think it's a situation where it's like, like clogged toilet. Like, um, yeah. if there's no if there's no room to operate, um, I think at some point uh, the Raptors are going to run into tough spots. No, yeah, like kind of like we were talking about before matchup against Golden State. You look at the spacing that Golden State and other teams can throw out there. You need to be able having all five players on the court be you know responsible for hitting threes and kind of bait the defense into having to respect them. That that's 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 insane, you know? Like you look at Oklahoma City with, you know, the way Roberson gets defended in the playoffs. Right? It, it can just kill your offense because you have one guy who can't hit threes at any consistent rate and isn't necessarily like a big seven-footer in the paint. And you can just have one freelance defender who can run around and just disrupt everything and be a pest, you know? And I'm afraid that's what might happen against Pascal, right? He's obviously a little bigger than Roberson, can a little more of a threat on the boards. But that three-point shot needs to come along a little bit more, right? He shot 14% last year. So far, he's shooting 23 so a little bit better, right? And he's taking, you know, about two, on average two threes a game. But that needs to get up around at least to 30, 35, you know, roughly there for it to be, you know, somewhat respectable. Um, but as long as his hustle and his his determination out there, you know, on both ends of the floor continues as it is. And like we said, that might not even be possible going into January, March. But that that's really what would be most effective. But for him to develop a three-point shot, that could be absolutely huge for us. Yeah, and I think it's especially important because the Raptors, they want to play like the Warriors. Like, mm-hmm. it's one thing to have, like, spacing, but it's another thing you want to jack up a lot of threes, and then you want to play players that maybe might not be able to hit them. I think that that brings a lot, a lot of additional problems. So I think, yeah, I think he's going to have to develop that shot uh, if he wants to continue playing in his role. On the other hand, a guy who's been making shots, CJ Miles, he's been playing like roughly 20 minutes a game. Uh, he's not going to play tonight because uh birth of his kid. Yeah. But like he he seems very consistent, like with uh, with those minutes that he's getting like the 20. And when he's hitting shots, it's great. Yeah, he's been red hot recently. He hasn't had less than nine points in his past, I think nine, 10 games or something like that. Um, and he's, and more importantly, he's been shooting the ball at an effective rate, right? He started off the season, obviously that first game against Chicago, he had 20 season high, 22 shot six for nine from deep. It was amazing. And then he just kind of went missing in action for the next, you know, six, seven games. Um, but ever since that game in Houston, um, he's just been, it's just been lighting it up, you know? And, and it's so good when because he he hits he, he hits some ridiculous shots, like he hit some like that one against Courtney Lee, the other when uh, New York was at Toronto, so the one that we won that was like that was like that's just a backbreaker for New York, and that's like an amazing shot for a guy coming off the bench, right? He's just gonna come in, you know what you're gonna get. He's gonna come in, he's gonna take shots, and hopefully he can hit them at at least forty to forty five percent. He's a guy who Paul George was upset with last year because he took the final shot in the game and missed it. Most, well, three-point shooters aren't going to make more than they miss. So it was kind of 
unfair for Paul George to be mad yeah. at him for that. It was a good shot too. I mean, like, yeah, I think uh, CJ Miles. He's kind of eased my concerns now, but early in the season when he was taking like those really deep ones and re- this really odd shot selection and ha- um, not using much shot clock. Um, I was getting a little concerned at that point because I was having some like Damari Carroll PTSD. Oh God. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel a lot better now. He, yeah. he, he looks like C- the CJ miles. I remember uh, that's killed the Raptors in the past. My favorite part. My favorite part is that finally CJ Kilometers is his official nickname on his basketball reference page. That's just what I'm happy about. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll I'll call I'll call I'll call him that if he wants to be called that for sure. As long <laughs> no, as he keeps making those threes. In all honesty, I think 20 minutes a game for a player like him is good, right? Because you put him out there for let's just say he runs 10 minutes. Uh, it could be staggered or whatnot. And let's just say he goes, you know, two for six from deep, you know, maybe gets burned once or twice on defense. He's probably not going to see the court again. Maybe quickly at the end of a quarter. That's it. But he's kind of a game by game player for Casey. And it's good because it's good to have a guy like that because if you throw him out there and, you know, he hits like back to back threes, other team calls a timeout, you know, like it's awesome, right? He can just he can single handedly just with the shooting, swing the momentum of a game. So in those 20 minutes, if he's taking good shots and if he's making good shots, and even if he can make a couple backbreaker shots, you know, that really hurt, you know, just kills the other team, especially late in game. I think 20 minutes is, should be kind of his average, right? In the sense that some games he's probably only going to see like 12 to 15 if he doesn't have an instant impact. And if he's playing super well, you've seen games, you know, like the New York game, he played 25, you know, uh, and even in the Houston game when he had 19, he only played 16 minutes, right? He went out there for 16 minutes, shot the ball 12 times, had 19 points, shot 67% from three, right? He's just going to be a game-by-game player based on matchups and the speed of the game. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to depth again, where it's just the Raptors have so many good options. If what they have is working, um, and CJ Miles is on the bench at the time, it's like, well... You know, Raptors are playing well. Yeah. Don't don't need to make a switch now. Um, so I think he's been hit by that a couple of times. But a guy who I don't really know he should be playing is Lorenzo Brown. Yeah, I, I really have not seen enough of this guy to make a, a an, inform, an informed opinion on him. Right? I mean, he's 27 years old, right? And that's not like a lot of people, they think Lorenzo Brown, oh, is he? He's some, he's some young guy, some rookie, right? He's been in the league since, you know, 2013. You know, he took last season off. He didn't play last season. I'm not sure what he did. Um, but he's interesting. Like, he's something that you don't see. A 27-year-old, almost unheard of guy. Like, this is pretty interesting for Raptors fans. Um, Yeah, I think he probably has played in two games because DeLon Wright uh, has been injured. Mm-hmm. But... I haven't really seen anything good from him. Um, and like you, like you mentioned, we haven't really seen, seen much of him. So I feel like, like he, he wasn't really doing anything in the preseason. He wasn't doing anything in, in uh, you know, then like what, why, why should he be rewarded yeah. now? 
you know, Fred Van Fleet's playing well. Um, and then like a guy who who was great, like uh, in summer league in, uh, in the, the preseason was Alfonso McKinney. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has not really been rewarded. So it's a little interesting to me. Yeah. I think really only time will tell as the season goes on. Um, they're definitely interesting prospects, right? They're, they're both older guys, you know, Alfonso, I think is 25 and Brown's 27, but physically you see the potential, right? Lorenzo's a six, five point guard, but in his, you know, four seasons, if you count this one as his fourth, he hasn't shot the three, his best shooting career, his best shooting season was with Minnesota when he was 24 and he shot 21% from deep, right? Like if he's going to make an impact, his, his three point shot needs to be there. Yeah, or some sort of NBA skill. Um, <laughs> some some sort of really legitimate see. contribution. Yeah, but uh, guys that I've seen uh, NBA skills from is Yaka Pertle and Bebe. Uh, they're in a timeshare from hell. Yes. But they both had like really good moments this season. Um, and like, I'm always just like, Oh, like if if Jakob Pearl got more minutes, yeah. Like, like oh, the rap the Raptors could be a lot better. But like, just when you have so many options, like it just it it messes messes things up. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a good problem though. It's 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 a good problem. Yeah. Are are you team Pearl or Baby? <sighs> See, here's the thing. I both get equally excited over them. Like. When Pirtle rips down an offensive rebound and then puts it back up for an and one, and versus when Lowry, you know, goes around Bebe's screen and throws him a lob, and he just, you know, somehow without barely jumping, just grabs it and crams it. I think I get like equally excited for them both, but I, I think long term, I just, I, I'm so intrigued by Bebe's physical stature, like that wingspan, the seven foot height, the fat. Remember, he was a 16th overall pick. Like, there's something very tantalizing about this guy when you think long term. But I am, I am such a fan of high motor guys, and I think Pirtle is like the perfect high motor, physical, strong center that is just gonna bully people down low. And I and I love that, and I love that just aggressiveness and that like I don't care what you think, I'm just gonna work my butt off, and I don't care how skilled you think you are, I'm just gonna outwork you. I love that kind of outlook on basketball and i think that's exactly what yaka brings when he comes on the court yeah like pearl's just one of those guys that i'm just like you look at raptors franchise history i'm just trying to think of a guy who is like him i can't think of one that just battles for every every loose ball uh doesn't give up on a play um and i i, I love i love watching that i love somebody giving all that effort whereas you know, Bebe has some great games. Um, he's a terrific shot blocker. But at seven feet, um, he's just not very good for a rebounder. Mm-hmm. Um, he, tr- he he tries to emulate Bismack Biombo, But at 6'9", uh, Biombo was actually a good rebounder. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, Bebe kind of has to, like, be consistently great or just improve another skill yeah. to give him more utility. Because I think the last thing, I know you hate this, but the like it seems like he's trying to be that stretch five almost where he's 
kind of running around the perimeter. You know, he's now he's taking half of you know point five threes a game. Like what? You know, you're such 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 a physically imposing per you know that wingspan's ridiculous like just play the um the clint capella role you know roll to the rim throw down lobs like it it, because it's amazing when he does but there's moments where you'll throw him out there for four minutes and he just blows assignments and he just doesn't look locked in and it's like you don't know what you're going to get from him when he goes out and that's the that's the only reason why i probably would put myself on team Jakob is just is just a consistency yeah i absolutely agree that like you know if we continue seeing what we're seeing and like come playoff time, you want to put out a guy out there that you know exactly what they're going to give you. Um, and as good as Bebe has been, you you really don't know what he's going to give you. Um, so I think I think it's tough. Um, where where do you think the Raptors can improve? Man, that is a that's a tough question because. You look looking at their roster. It's like wow, they're super solid. You know, I I love the starting lineup. I think the second unit is is amazing. You know, I think the depth is there. They've got some youth, but I I think you know they have the right amount of veteran presence to you know kind of right the ship and carry them. I think in terms of improvement, I think it's just going to have to come down to their defense as a whole, right? And, and just staying locked in on those those late road games, you know, like dropping those games to New at New York, dropping that game at Boston, you know, it, it's just going to come down to little stuff like that. And obviously, it's a long regular season; one or two games might not might not matter. But if you really want to be a contender, you can't go dropping games that that you clearly should be winning. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of just the nature of the regular season. Um, the thing I'm kind of wondering about is if the Raptors want to stick to the high volume of threes, uh, would another, would another three point shooter help them? Like an an interesting one is, is Bellinelli for me. Um, I've always, I've always kind of liked that, that kind of that CJ miles type of guy who's going to come off the bench and you just know exactly what he's going to do. He's just coming out here simply to shoot the basketball from deep. And the Hawks are a team that are definitely going to be selling at the trade deadline. And I think he's a player that he might not, you know, get a ton of minutes, but he could be like that jackknife, you know, maybe seven to 15 minute a game guy who's just going to put yet another threat on the defense. And you just stick him in the corner and all of a sudden, like, you, you can't help off of him, right? You run that Lowry, you know, Abaka or Lowry, uh, Valanchunas or DeRozan pick and roll down the middle. That corner defender, if he chooses to help, you're giving up a three to a deadly three-point shooter. And just adding another one to the mix could be could honestly be huge for the Raptors down the, down the stretch of the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's interesting. With Bellinelli, I feel like we've seen that movie before. Um, at the time, I think the Raptors weren't very good. Um, so I didn't think much of him then. But he, I think he did shoot like 38% uh, when he was with the Raptors previously. Mm-hmm. So he is a good three-point shooter. Uh, and probably on a better team, uh, his yeah. impact will be greater. Um, where defenses kind of leave him alone because there's bigger fish to fry. Uh, but yeah, it's like uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think he could help, but I don't know how much he moves the yeah. needle. It's it's really just another weapon in the bench arsenal. Right, and if I think if you can get them for the right price, a hundred percent go after it. But if you're 
sacrificing a considerable chunk of your future for it, right? You know, a pick or a young or a young player. Then it gets a little bit iffy, right? Is he going to help you that much, and you're going to give up that much in the future? Um, but I think an, one that we were talking about before is the possibility of trading for DeAndre Jordan from the Clippers because they, you know, Beverly's gone for the season. They've been plagued with injuries. They started off red hot. Now they can't win. Can't seem to win a game. And there's a good chance they're going to be selling at the trade deadline. Yeah, um, I like DeAndre. Um, I just don't know what the what the what the Raptors could give up to really make that work. Because mm-hmm. cause DeAndre is another big contract, right? Like Valanciunas. And yeah, JV would have to go to the Clippers. And obviously we would have to give something as well. Probably, you know, a pick or, you know, a young player, right? It, there would have to be some kind of future incentive for the Clippers, right? And it would definitely have to be come in the form of a draft pick in, 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 or multiple draft picks or a young player or a combination of the both. But like you said, how f- much farther does that move the needle, right? Because you throw them a protected pick or unprotected, whatever, whatever kind of pick it is, and, you know, some youth, and you get DeAndre, and you lose to Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals, or, you know, like, is that going to take you over the hump? Whatever, whether it's Boston or Cleveland or Washington or whatever team, you know, ends up being like the final test, you know, is that going to take you over the hump in into the finals? Because that's ultimately what this next three years is all about. And it starts right now, you know? Yeah. Like last year, I was kind of hopeful that Serge Ibaka mm-hmm. would be that guy. Um, he was he was really good last year. I feel like I've been a little bit disappointed by him this year. Um, because when he's not, you know, hitting threes, um, I feel like he's been outplayed Mm -hmm. by some other guys like Pascal Siakam. Um, but yeah, like upping the talent level, like someone like Deandre would get, would give the Raptors better odds. Um, I I think it's, I think it's tough. Especially since the Raptors don't have have their picks mm. this coming season to trade, uh, but you know they could always do a future future pick, yeah. I guess. Um, I think they'd have to move someone like 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 Powell, in my opinion, as well. <laughs> Which like I think would break everyone's heart, and that that's when it gets to the point. Like, do you, are you winning? Are you even winning that trade at that point? Right? Like, is it is it even even? You know, like it's tough. So if if the Raptors um don't don't many make any monster trades, um, who are the biggest threats to well, them in the East? Obviously, you know Boston, Cleveland, Washington. Um, but there are some sleeper teams that I think you know, and not even really sleepers. Like you look at the Bucks, and remember that grueling series with them last year. You know, like that's a that's a scary team. You know, when you got Bledsoe in there. Bledsoe's have I think he's had a little bit of trouble integrating. Um, you know, some of his shot selection hasn't been too good for Milwaukee, but that's going to be a tough. That's going to be a tough matchup. Um, I think Philly could even be a scary matchup. You know, a fully healthy Sixers team. You know, uh, New York. Right, New York's ridiculous at home. They're, they're a very good home team, and then kind of rounding it out, like like Detroit. Detroit's a tough team too. Drummond's at a whole other level now this year. I think before the season, everyone was ridiculously high on the Bucks, 
And I was just like, what did they do to get better? Uh, it's like, I think people really hoped their young guys would grow. And Giannis oh, has grown and gotten a, a lot better <laughs> somehow, which I didn't think was possible. Uh, but now, um, after them acquiring Eric Bledsoe, it concerns me a little bit. Because uh, I think Eric Bledsoe is probably a top 15 mm. point guard in the NBA. Um, I think that just makes things tougher. Um, and if Jabari, Jabari Parker too, if, if he can, if he can come back, you know, yeah, make a huge difference. So I think it, Jabari Jabari Parker is really interesting because he's been he's been good uh, when he's played, but the thing is, the Bucks weren't winning when he was healthy last year. Um, so I don't know how they're going to integrate him and use him. Um, so I think that could become an issue for them. Uh, looking at these other teams, I think, I think LeBron though is, is the biggest threat that like, yeah, the Cavs are struggling. Uh, people were were like talking about, (laughs) Oh, is this the end of, uh, end of LeBron end of the Cavs last year? Um, but yeah, like he, he turns it on when he wants to turn on, like the the wizards were talking trash, but the Cavs, LeBron just went off the king of New York game. You know, it it just happens every year, you know, you kind of poke the bear one too many times and then, you know, kind of just unleashes himself for one game. Yeah. With the Celtics as good as they're playing, um, I feel like. They're probably beatable because a, a lot of their their success going forward rests on Jason Tatum, a rookie, and Jalen Brown, a young player. Mm-hmm. And they, they've been really good. Uh, but you, you're looking at come playoff time, are these guys going to be on every game? Uh, another thing I, worry, uh, I wonder about with them is Al Horford. He's rebounding the ball a lot better this season. But previously, he's not been a good rebounder. Um, and that's where the Raptors have killed them. So if he continues to rebound well, um, I think that makes things tougher for the Raptors. But I, I think there's there's enough there's enough holes uh, and questions about the Celtics. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the thing with Boston is that their their defense has been so good this season, right? Like they are averaging you know seven less points per game than the second Eastern team, Detroit. Right. Like that's they're holding opponents to about 95 points a game, which, which is very, very, very good. Um, and is that sustainable for an entire season? You know, they they barely scraped by Dallas. Right. They, they were running that 15 game win streak. They barely scraped by Dallas before Kyrie decided to score 40 straight without missing a basket. And, and then they drop one to Miami. Right. And obviously when you're on a big win streak like that, it gets tough because every game is a big game because that other team is like, okay, let's end their streak. You know, it's not just another, it's another game for you, but it's a massive game for them. But like you said, the biggest threat, it's still LeBron. I'm not even going to say Cleveland. It's, it's LeBron, you know, it's, it's, you know, he's trying to get to his eighth straight NBA finals. Um, and like it's essentially who's going to stop him. Every team is crafting their roster to try and stop him from making it to another NBA Finals in the East. LeBron is uh, he's one of the best players ever. Um, and, and beating him is a task. Um, the Raptors, as constructed, 
it's hard it's hard to say how how competitive the Raptors will be against them uh after getting swept last year uh but then two years ago we took two games off of them in the Eastern Conference Finals uh the losses though were by a lot so you kind of don't know um how 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 good the Raptors really were then but that this team now looks looks a lot better in my opinion at least um so i, th- I think it'll be interesting yes yeah they're definitely over the the hump of the of the difficulty they had one of the most difficult schedules to start the year I, i'm looking forward to the rest of the season i'm looking forward to the playoffs yeah <laughs> I, I got nothing else um you want to plug your twitter Yes, yeah, so if you want, you can go give me a follow at uh, Craig Oliver nineteen ninety seven. I kind of just got a, I had a Twitter before, but I kind of just recreated it just to be more focused on basketball. So I'm kind of new to the the whole simply basketball Twitter kind of thing. But yeah, go drop me a follow. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at four one six basketball. Appreciate it. That's Have all we day. got for you. <laughs>